Apis. <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. Let me read this and then I'll go to my illustration without saying anything else. We also thank God of 14, I'm going to read from 13. We, we spoke about this last week, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but actually as it is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. And we spoke about what that looks like. And we remember strip fat. Don't forget strip fat. Use it as a verb and a noun. So when you have a problem, you just strip fat it. For those that don't know, listen last week. It means something. It's how you deal with and how you allow the Word of God to work with you. It's an acronym. Verse 14. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus Christ and the prophets and also drove us out. So now he's talking about killing Jesus and also when we were chased from Philippi and we were chased the same thing, they did the same thing to us. They did it to the prophets, they did it to Jesus, they did it to us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone. So this is happening, God's not happy with it. This is happening and it's happening to everybody. In their effort to keep us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. In this way, they heap up their sins to the limit and the wrath of God is coming upon them at last. So what's happening is they're getting persecuted for preaching the gospel. And they're getting persecuted by the religious Jews who are upset because they're preaching the gospel to the Gentiles and that it's because they, for them... The Messiah is Israel's Messiah, not the world's Messiah. And so they're persecuting them and, they, and they're saying, no, how can you do this? How can you let those dirty dogs into our covenant? How can you let those people into our promises? And the gospel is Jesus brings everybody into his promises. It's the new covenant blessing that all people are qualified in Christ. The Messiah was for the whole world. It wasn't just for Israel. Although he was an Israeli Messiah. But the work on the cross was for everybody and they were offended by that. This is not new. And they're generation after generation of Christians that are persecuted for the message that they are preaching. In different contexts, in different, for different reasons. For this case, it was because it was to Gentiles. In different nations, it's because it's Jesus and not the gods of that nation. In, 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 in more Christian nations or different kinds of nations, it's because you believe in things that are not the culture of the day. But I want to tell you, friends, we're not unique in this. It is part of living and preaching the gospel. Like I said, it doesn't mean God's happy with it. But it happens. So what I want to do quickly is take us to Luke chapter 14, verse 25. 
read that, and then I want to take us do an illustration for us. Because you see, this gospel, there's a price to living this gospel that is preached. For Paul, when he preached the gospel, he was persecuted and run out and put in prison. Because he preached it to the wrong people. For us, it's going to be a different kind of persecution. For us, it's a, it's a reality check in our Western cultural norm of everything is available and everything is an option because of the prosperity of the nation in which we live. And depending on where you live and how you live and all these things, it's, it's, there's, this, there's this cultural, there's actually there's a price for saying yes to Jesus. There's a personal price to saying yes to Jesus. And I want to talk about that this morning. So verse 25 of Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to, and large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Let me just start there. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. That's like the church. Like a large crowd traveling with Jesus. So it's not like those guys, it's like us guys. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Oh my gosh, Jesus, did you say that? Notice he says, You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my learner. You cannot, your life cannot be transformed or reformed. You, you cannot, if you don't live this kind of way, if you don't pay this kind of price, if you don't understand what I'm asking of you, you will never grow in your walk with me. You'll never mature. You'll never, you'll never become what I've called you to become. Become a disciple, a follower of Jesus. You can become a fan of Jesus and not do this. You can travel with the crowd and not do this, but if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, somebody whose life has changed and moved and transformed and growing and moving and actually becoming more like Jesus, you've got to live this life. And whoever does not carry their cross, in other translations, is his own cross, and follow me cannot be my disciple. Again, about this word disciple, about the being a learner. And what Jesus is trying to get you, obviously Jesus is a God of love. He was the one that says you, love is the greatest commandment. Now he's telling you to hate your mother and father. What he's trying to do, he's not telling you to literally hate your mother and father. He's trying to contrast how big Jesus has got to be in your life compared to every other relationship in your life. He's trying to get into our minds that Jesus has to be first. That a, for a true disciple, without reservation, we put Jesus above everything. And when we put Jesus above everything, he gives us what we need to love everybody. All other relationships are of lower priority than the faithfulness and obedience to Jesus. That's what he's trying to get at. Jesus comes first. And he's saying, unless Jesus comes first in your life, 
You'll never become the disciple, the learner, the follower, the growing one. The one whose life is changing. That I've called you to be. And unless you can carry your own cross, you cannot follow me. Friends, there was no, there was no um, confusion as to what a cross was in those days. For us, it's far removed. A cross always led to death. To carry your own cross means death. There was, it's, 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 it wasn't carried for fun. It was carried because you were going one way and you weren't coming back. They didn't need an explanation. They knew it was an unrelenting instrument of torture, death, and humiliation. It was a one-way journey. And Jesus says, unless you're on that one-way journey with me, learning to die to yourself every day, you're never going to become like me. And it says his own cross, their own cross. Your cross that you have to carry, your journey is not the same as everybody else's. Friends, don't compare your journey to anybody else's. You're unique, and God knows your uniqueness. Everybody is uniquely dysfunctional (laughs) and uniquely broken. And God puts us back together uniquely. But if you would do this, and if you don't do this, you cannot follow in my footsteps because he is the one that is our model. Verse 34 of that same passage says this. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? This is the problem now. It's, it's not only do you not become the person that you call to be in Christ if you don't live this kind of life where Jesus is number one and there's no other um, competition for him against it. He's the number one. But not only do you not become that person, but actually we don't live the salty life that we call to live. I was in a meeting this week and they said this. They said if the meat, somebody said this, I can't remember who said it, but if the meat rots, the salt is the problem. If the world is rotting, if Durban is rotting, the salt is the problem. What's the salt? The church. Maybe the church has just lost its saltiness. So I had this illustration. I was sitting in my office and I thought, you've got to carry a cross. My question, I'm asking you this, what are you carrying? What are you carrying today? And this is the illustration that I came up with. Is Tamela here? Where's Tamela? I know he is. Yeah, please, won't you? Oh, Tamela, I know you're up there looking after. You see, that's why I need you down here. Please, don't worry about that. The, the angels will look after us today. I need you. I need you here in my illustration, specifically. Bread and the wine.
Tomelo, while he, as he makes his way down here, I feel specifically for Tomelo. You'll see this journey that I want us to go on this morning. It's actually a journey into the Father's heart. If your journey with Jesus doesn't connect you to the Father's heart, you're missing something. In fact, you'll never find healing. You've got to find that it's the Father's love that begins the healing process in you. So Tamela, for my illustration, represents the Father. Father God. And Tamela, the reason why I thought of you is because I feel like you called to be a father in the church. You're not just a physical father, but you're a father. You've got to, you carry the father's heart. So if you could just come and stand yeah, somewhere there next to Sean and Zach. Yeah, just, that's great. Just stand there. That's Tamela. Right. So I've got Shepard to whip me up across this morning very quickly. Well done, Shepard. Thank you. So it says, unless you pick up your cross... You see, when you meet Jesus, friends, you meet, you meet the crucified king. He is a king. He laid down his life for us. He's not just some beggar. He's not just some nobody. He is the king, the creator, who decided to lay his life down for us. So it's the crucified king comes to earth and dies for people. And when you, when, you, when you give your life to Jesus, the first thing he asks you, he says, I want you to get baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I want, to get, I want you to, right in the beginning of, of your walk, even though you don't know them fully, I want you to immerse your whole life into the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I want you to die to yourself, and I want you to be raised under the waters of baptism, and I want you to be raised into new life. So right up front, you know where you're going. You're dying and you're coming alive. Just remember that. Nobody can ever take your baptism away. When the devil comes to you and says, yeah, but are you really saved? Were you baptized? Yes, you are saved. Stop it. Stop, uh, stop, stop letting the devil into your mind and robbing you of the joy of your salvation. And if you're not baptized, get baptized immediately, like this afternoon. Get your friend, go to the beach, get baptized. Anyway, pick up your cross, your own cross, your own journey. The problem is, when we pick up our cross, we're all carrying stuff, not just the cross. Cell phones. When we get baptized and when we walk with Jesus... We've got to let our cell phones off, out, down, put them down. You know what cell phones are? All your contacts. All your significance. All the people you think you know that give you credibility. They mean nothing now that you know Jesus. And if you don't know anybody, it means nothing because you know Jesus. So you put your cell phone down. And you keep walking. And as you keep walking, Jesus says to you, by the way, not just that, not just your status is a problem. Your status comes from me. 
Now what I want you to do is I want you to give me your time as well. I want you to give me your watch. Take your watch and your time. Give it to me. Keep walking. You see, you're dying to yourself. You're picking up his cross, your cross. Then he says to you, oh, by the way, there's more in your pockets. Oh, Lord, thought you wouldn't see that. Your car keys, your possessions, they're not yours. They're mine. Because dead people don't own stuff. They, give their, they leave their stuff. So, really, Lord, I really like that car. I really like that house. So you mean my house is no longer mine? No. It's a place for the kingdom to break out. It's a place of hospitality and life. Okay, Lord, thank goodness for that. Lord, can you take over the bond as well, please? <laughs> Thank you. Oh, by the way, um, <laughs> you know your bank account? Your money? Normally the last thing to come. Until, you got, until he's got your money, he's got a large, hasn't got a large part of you. Because you're carrying your wallet as well. Okay, Lord. Money's yours as well. That journey, friends, can be a long journey. It's your journey. It's your own journey. I'm giving you the simplistic order. That there isn't an order. It's all happening at the same time. It's the Spirit of God. It's your heart. It's your mind. It's not, it's not some journey. It's not, I'm just making it simple. It's an illustration. It's got full of flaws. But you're carrying your cross. There's a price to carrying your cross. If the meat is rotting, it's because the salt is not doing its work. Till eventually you get to the place where you realize, actually, the cross is real for me. And I love Jesus, my King, and my, not just my Savior, but my Lord. I'm actually submitted to Him, and I'm submitting in a, more and more to Him. And I don't have to symbolically carry a cross everywhere I go, just to, because it's like very cumbersome, and how do I do this? I don't need the cross all the time. I, I, I need the cross, but I don't have to carry this physical cross. Actually, what he does is he gives me a symbol to eat of and drink of all the time. And he says, every time you eat and drink, no, your life is not your own. I paid for you. I bled for you. I gave everything for you. I love you. Grace and mercy is yours. No condemnation. No, it's everything. I don't care where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. No matter what you've done. No, you think you've done something. I never, never forgive. There is nothing, nothing on this earth, every rape, every, nothing on this earth that has not been forgiven by the blood and the body of Jesus. Nothing. And you receive that and you carry that. And this is, like I said, this is like a very incomplete illustration, but this is carrying all the way through. It's like the blood and the body of Jesus. So every time I drink of his blood, it's not something on me, it's something in me. The body of Jesus, his healing power is not something on me, it's something in me. I eat of the bread and I drink of the blood of Jesus. And I find rest deep in my soul. 
When you're wrestling, friends, you only find rest deep in your soul in the presence of the creator God that's forgiven you and given you mercy. And then what happens is Jesus doesn't leave you there, friends, because now you've understood mercy and grace. And you've understood that your life is not your own. But it's not complete yet. The journey is not complete yet, friends, until you've met the Father. You know, it's easy to tell your brother and sister what you've done wrong. Much more difficult to tell your father what you've done wrong. Until you see the father, friends, until you've met the father, Jesus takes you to meet his father. He shares his father with us. But he is God also. You see, the father is the one that gives us back our value. It's like you are, the, you are my favorite son. It's with you, you're the one I love, and you're the one that pleases me, and you, I, I, you're the one, it's, it's, I love you. You're the, the Father, friends. You're the one, the love of God, the, the Father's heart needs to break into our heart. When the Father's heart breaks and we realize we get connected to the Father's family, not just my family. If you don't have a revelation of the church, it means you haven't got a revelation of the Father. Because it's the Father's family that he puts you in. This diverse, sometimes weird, actually most of the time weird, strange, difficult, joyful, amazing family. And he restores you in that place. And what Jesus does, he leads you step by step until you have an embrace from the Father. You've got to give me an embrace. Don't you? <laughs> and you live your life for the rest of your days forever, forever in the embrace, not just of Jesus and what he's done for you, but in the embrace of the Father. He fights on your behalf. He provides for you. He lives for you. He, he, he puts you back together. But for, friends, there's a price to this journey. Jesus takes us on this journey, slowly but surely. My question to you is, what are you carrying? What are you carrying? My challenge to us today is stop carrying all this stuff except his body and his blood. Stop carrying everything else that's stopping you from getting to the Father. Because you know what stops you from getting to you for, to the Father? I'm too busy. You know what stops you from getting to the Father? I've got a bond to pay. Worry and anxiety. You know what stops you from getting to the Father? I just haven't got time. You know what stops you from getting to the Father? Worried about everyone, what everybody else thinks and what everybody else says, except what God says. Throw it all down. Surrender. That's what surrender is, Greg said. You throw it all down. 
And you just surrender and say, Father, take me on this journey, Lord. I want to meet the Father. Let Father's heart come. I've been meeting with men over and over over these weeks. And actually, it's just they've forgotten the love of the Father. They've forgotten the love that the Father has, the value, the created value that the Father puts back into them. That they don't get their value from everything else, anything else. And it's shifting them. Spending thousands of rands in psychologists when they just need the Father's love. What are you carrying? It's time to put it down. And to take in the blood and the body of Jesus and receive the Father's embrace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you, Tomello.